your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready. For your positive imprint. Hello, hello. I'm so glad you're here with me today in between your April Fool's jokes and celebrations around the world. And yes, some countries celebrate in big ways. Well, when you have a chance, read about April Fool's around the world and it will just make you giggle. Well, your positive imprint is global with listeners in England, Ireland, Czech Republic, Norway, Netherlands, Germany, France, Italy, Russia, Nepal, Japan, Germany, USA, Australia, Mexico, Brazil, South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Djibouti, Greece, Israel, Indonesia, Russian Federation, Canada, Austria, and so many other countries. And thank you so much for being a part of your positive imprint. And thank you for your emails and your positive comments. Your positive imprint. What's your PI? Send me an email, Catherine at yourpositiveimprint.com. Today's episode is actually two featured guests. Eva Holland is a freelance writer for Outside Magazine. She also does work for National Geographic and other publications. I met her in Kaktuvik, Alaska, which is up at the Arctic Ocean. She had been doing a story just the day before for National Geographic on an Inuit family. During our interview, she received very stressing news. The family she had done a story on had suffered a tragic accident in which the father, about 33 years old, was killed in a hunting accident. Our interview was cut short as Eva needed time to gather her thoughts and respond to the family. The second episode following Eva is Kayla from Kodiak, Alaska. Kayla works for the United States Public Health Department and is stationed in Kodiak. An introduction for Kayla precedes her episode. Well, enjoy your April Fool's Day and make somebody smile. Even better, make them giggle. Good day, this is Catherine. You're here with Your Positive Imprint. And today we are here with Eva. We met her here in Kaktuvik. And she has a fabulous story to tell, just like all of the other folks you've heard from. So Eva, first of all, can you tell us where you're from? Yeah, I, uh, I live in Whitehorse in the Yukon Territory in northern Canada, so just over on the Canadian side next to Alaska. Um, I didn't grow up there, though. I grew up in Ottawa, more, on, uh, more in eastern Canada. Oh, and what was your upbringing like? Was it in the wilderness? Was it a city? Very much city, yeah, no, it's, uh, I was a total city kid until I moved to the Yukon and started trying to learn my way around the wilderness about ten years ago. Okay, you say learn your way around the wilderness, so what do you mean by, did you just throw on a pack and head out, what'd you do? It was more, it was a very gradual process of of making friends and then trying to learn enough to keep up with them on the things, you know, in, in Whitehorse, what people do mostly is play outside, so climbing, hiking paddling, mountain biking, all those things, and and I didn't uh, know how to do any of that, really, except I guess I could hike, everybody can hike. Yeah, so it was a real learning process uh, after I moved there of of sort of gradually acquiring some gear piece by piece and and getting more comfortable in the wilderness, and, you know, uh, I'm not really the type who just plunges in the deep end of things, and and it's not a great idea in grizzly country anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's been a a gradual learning process over the years, and and, uh, it's been really fun. I've, I've come a really long way from my 
city kid roots. Yeah, and what's your favorite part of the wilderness? Something new that you've learned that you that just comes naturally for you now, something that you really like? Hmm, that's a good question. I know some people say you shouldn't really be out there by yourself, but I really like being out there by myself, and it's kind of a greedy kind of a greedy thing, right? To not want to share these places with people. And I've gotten comfortable now being out there on my own and, you know, doing a solo backpacking trip or, or that kind of thing. And it's 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 pretty amazing to think that a place that felt so foreign and full of sort of unknown obstacles to me a few years ago now feels very, very comfortable and like I feel at home there. Obviously I still have lots to learn, but... <laughs> I think we all have lots to learn. We came up here and, wow, had to learn quite a bit about some of just what they wear. Mm -hmm. You know, because the stores we go to for cold weather, a little bit different than what they have here. Yeah, yeah, cold weather gear up here is on another level for sure. Yeah, <laughs> my personal record is minus 55. And where was that? That was in a place called Slavin's Roadhouse in Yukon Charlie Rivers National Preserve, which is north of Fairbanks. Slavin's Roadhouse is one of the old roadhouses along the Yukon River from when they had stern wheelers and barges going up the Yukon. Uh, it's right near the confluence of the Charlie and the Yukon, I believe. So... I was there in February for a dog sled race, the Yukon Quest, uh, a few years ago. It's like a hospitality stop, dog drop on the on the quest. It's not a formal checkpoint, but I was there volunteering, and it got down to minus 55, raw temperature, not including wind chill. Yeah, we were making pancakes for the mushers as they came through, and um, we weren't the volunteers weren't supposed to handle the dogs at all. The musher the mushers deal with that, but we were. We were feeding the mushers eggs and bacon and pancakes and uh, hot tang, which is a thing that the mushers enjoy, but uh, probably not oh, something anybody yeah. would ever want to drink otherwise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and so how so the mushers came through and yeah. did they have stories to tell or did you you know they're seven hundred miles into a thousand mile race at that point so some of them were basically nonverbal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, some of them had stories to tell. Yeah, mostly they were sort of, especially when it's that cold, you almost, I think, go into a kind of shock. They were kind of in survival mode, just taking care of their dogs and then getting into the cabin to warm up and have a hot meal before they carried on down the trail for the final 300 miles. It's it pretty wild. It was amazing to watch them function in those conditions. <laughs> And you yourself have to function in that condition too, you know, standing around, mm -hmm. waiting for them to serve. That is so... That, that's wonderful. I really like hearing that story. And so what else can you tell us about your wilderness trip? Like putting up a tent. You know, what um, what is, have been some of those... Like we put up a tent and when there was... Suddenly there were a bunch of sheep, bighorn sheep around. Oh, wow. And they were coming right at us. And so we realized we were in the middle of their trail. Oh, right. And we didn't know that. Yeah. And so we had to quick try to get the tent up and yeah. move it. And we've had oh, some... Oh, wild. Where was that? That was in New Mexico, okay. what we call the Pecos Wilderness. Oh, I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. I go to Santa Fe every year. Oh, um, yeah. That Every year you go to Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to have to yeah. uh, keep that... in touch after this, because I can meet you up there. Cool. We can and show you some of the places. But yeah, up in uh, Pecos, the sheep were brought in from actually your neck of the woods. Okay. From Banff up in Canada. Okay, and reintroduced down there. Yes, and they've been thriving. Yeah, Very they've been cool. thriving. It is. I love to hear about successful reintroductions. <laughs> they've been they've been great. We have some awesome pictures and we'll take you to see your your buddies up there. Cool. So now you freelance. I do, yeah. I'm a full time freelance writer, primarily for magazines, some web stuff. Not much newspaper these days, you know, the newspapers are struggling mostly, but um, right. 
Yeah, I write mostly like narrative features, like uh, more like story stories rather than interviews or topics, politics, that kind of thing. Like mostly I write narratives about outdoor adventure, extreme sports, the wilderness, how we connect to the wilderness, sometimes environmental issues, resource versus conservation type stuff. And where can... Oh, go ahead. Oh, just say all kind of circling around the different ways we interact with the wilderness. That's, you know, and our listeners would love to read some of your Mm. articles. So where can they find you? Can they Google you? They could Google me. I'm I'm Eva Holland. Uh, I have a website, evaholland.com. Holland, just like the country. (laughs) And uh, I write regularly for Outside Magazine. That's why I go to Santa Fe every year, because they're based there, and I go to visit my editors and just kind of keep in touch. I write for different publications in Canada. There's a newish web magazine called Hakai that's out of uh, Vancouver Island that covers all coastal science. Uh, that's pretty neat. I did a story about polar bears for them recently. Um, oh, no, that. So did you get to see any? I didn't get to see any. I went to a very small village called Wales in far western Alaska that's on the Bering Strait, and they were setting up a new polar bear patrol, and so I was spending time with the polar bear patrol, but they didn't see any bears while I was there. Ah, uh, and yeah. no bears here because no of the, here. the polar ice is just, yeah. the ice is thick. Mm-hmm. It's very thick. Yeah, so you were out over in the Bering Strait? Yeah, yeah, in February, so there was, so it was solid ice, and uh, they were just training, practicing there. It's a new polar bear patrol set up over there, and the idea is for it to be a no-kill patrol. So they're going to try to haze the bears out of town when they come into the village using non-lethal methods. Their primary purpose is to protect the town. You know, the, the nightmare scenario is, is, you know, kids walking to school encountering a polar bear, right. but their goal is to not kill bears unnecessarily while protecting the people so they had um you know noisemakers and air horns and pepper spray and um beanbag rounds sort of escalating non-lethal methods to try to discourage the bears from coming into the village so bears have been around you know forever Mm -hmm. and these villages you know have been built while the bears are here so Mm -hmm. what is the difference is are the bears coming in now which they haven't before so two things yes traditionally if a bear came into the village they would have just shot the bear okay and they're they're working on these non-lethal methods as in an effort to conserve polar bears to not kill them unnecessarily and secondly yes the bears are coming in more often as the sea ice thins because they're losing their habitat and they're looking for food so it's a combination of those two things they know the bears are going to be coming more often they don't want to kill the bears unnecessarily which it in the, in the old days, they would have just been like, I'm going to shoot this bear before it eats my kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they're trying they're trying to sort of work with the changing situation and, and be a part of conservation without putting themselves at risk, which is, is fair enough. <laughs> that is, that is. And they, here in Kaktuvik, they have their own polar bear security, which yes. they've had for quite a long time. And we've talked to some of those folks, and they take it very, very seriously mm-hmm. because, you know, the bears do come into town. Luckily, they haven't had too many... Disasters. Right. Yeah. And so now you are up here in Kaktuvik enjoying the air. And what's your next assignment? Where are you heading? That's a good question. I'm actually sort of pulling back from magazine work right now to work on a book, but... Oh, tell us about this. Uh, if you're ready. I mean, you may not be ready to talk about your book. Yeah. Is I mean, it going to be your experiences? Uh, somewhat. It's it's a book about the science of fear, but it also will include some of my experiences with my own fears. I have a heights phobia and some other some other things, so it's going to be a mixture of my own experiences and looking into the science of how fear actually functions in our brains and our bodies, and you know what what is happening in our brain when we as as we say overcome fear or conquer fear. What what does that look like physiologically? Ah, oh, okay, and so. The wilderness kind of prompted you to think about this idea. Totally. Because yeah, you get... You, you think about your fears a lot in the wilderness. You yeah. do, you do. Yeah. And there's 
I don't know how you feel, but oftentimes when I hear sounds out in the wilderness and I know that there have been people around that I didn't know, I sometimes feel better when I look out the tent and it's you know, maybe a raccoon or something mm-hmm. instead of someone walking around my tent. Yeah, you it know, always sounds bigger when you can't see it. <laughs> that it, And that's so true. And so yeah. your fears, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's how a squirrel can sound like a bear. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. <laughs> And so what what has been, you know, the listeners probably want to know what your favorite experience has been Mm. when you've gone to write, because then they'll go and they'll check out your article. Yeah. Oh, man, that is such a hard question. I've gotten, I've been lucky to do some really incredible things. Okay, here's one that's definitely in my top three anyway. Last year, I went to Nunavut in Canada's Eastern Arctic for Outside Magazine to do a story. There's a woman there who is polar guide, polar explorer. That's her her living, she takes people across Antarctica or to the North Pole or across the Greenland ice cap. And um, she does her own expeditions as well without clients. She teaches a polar travel boot camp every March in Iqaluit. And so I got to go to polar polar explorer school basically for outside. So it was two weeks. The first week we were camped on the ice in front of her house on the beach in town. And we had classroom sessions in the morning and then skills development outside in the afternoons. And then we'd spend the night out. And then the second week, There was three of us in the course. She took the three of us out uh, on a mini expedition for a week. And for three and a half days, she took us out away from town across the sea ice, uh, Frobisher Bay. And then on the fourth day, she got a skidoo pickup. And we three students had three and a half days to find our way back to her house. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, So I wrote a story about that for Outside, about just that experience and how much we learned and how challenging it was. And and, um, I thought it was going to be a story about like a real suffer fest, you know, like, uh, but ultimately the story was about how much joy there was in the experience and kind of wonder and awe. That's a reflective time when you're out. In, oh yeah. Like here or, or lots of places, not just here. There's a lot of time for reflection and not just about life, just about the past. I don't know. I, I really get mesmerized with, you know, even the rocks, if only the rocks could talk or the <laughs> ice, you know, and, and you you can sit and reflect. Well, that is awesome. So what, what month was, do you remember which magazine that was in? It ended up running online only. It came out uh, in early February of 2018. I'm trying to remember what they ended up calling it. I think it was called um, 72 Hours of Getting Schooled in Arctic Survival or something like that. But if, if you if you Google my name and Outside Magazine, you'll find it. Um, and again, that's Eva Holland. Eva Holland. With Outside Magazine. Yeah. So, so awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to share with about your imprint? How do you, in fact, that's a great question for you to reflect on. How do you see your imprint, mm. your positive imprint in the global community? I guess for me, it's really about my, my work, my stories, and, and trying to find stories that will have some meaning for people, which doesn't always mean that they, they have to be super serious. You know, I think there's some meaning in in learning to find joy in schlepping across sea ice, you know, it's, um, it's something I think about since that trip is, you know, if I'm having a hard time, I think about the lessons that we learned about just trying to find the wonder in something difficult. Uh, it's helpful in other parts of my life. So yeah, trying to find stories that, uh, that people will get some, some joy or some, some thought provoking something from, or that people will be able to relate to. Yeah. That's a great imprint because we all want to relate to something, even if we can't do it, mm-hmm. there's... A reflective piece within each of us mm-hmm. when we read an article or hear your voice yeah yeah so this has been really awesome and and uh, I wish you the best of luck thank you on so your next much. assignment yeah and thank you Eva thank you Catherine 
My second featured guest today makes mention of a poem that inspires her, the Starfish poem. Well, that's a poem that has inspired me and has inspired millions of people around the world. And I don't know who wrote it, so I decided to do some research. Well, it's called The Star Thrower by Lauren Isley, who lived from 1907 until 1977. So the star thrower is about a child who is walking along a beach, and he finds starfish scattered all over the place, living starfish. And the little boy did not want them to die, so he begins to fling the starfish into the ocean so that they can survive. One by one, he picks them up and he throws them into the ocean. Well, along comes a gentleman, an older man, and he wants to know what the boy is doing. Well, the boy says, hey, I'm saving the starfish. And the gentleman looked around and saw all of the starfish laying along the beach and said, my gosh, you cannot save all of them. Why bother trying? And the boy is looking around and he sees all of the starfish and he's still holding a starfish in his hand. And he looks at that starfish and he says, but it matters to this one. Well, the message in this by Lauren Isley is that it matters to the one. And what an inspiring story that he wrote. And I'm so glad that my featured guest has chosen this as her own inspiration, Saving the One. My guest today is very soft-spoken, humble, but ever so sincere and passionate with the medical services that she provides. And I want to welcome Kayla, who is inspiring others with her own positive imprints. We, and there are three of us, we are here at Miller's Point at Fort Abercrombie in Kodiak, Alaska. We are sitting on a bench looking out into the ocean and there are a couple of humpback whales swimming around out there. And we have my guest's dog running around enjoying this gorgeous day. A little bit windy, but not a cold breeze. So I'm here with Kayla. And Kayla, do you have a favorite quote or phrase or inspirational word that you love? The starfish poem. Are you familiar with yes. that? Yes. That is my my favorite. Um, and that's really what gets me through the day. Oh, that is phenomenal. So Kayla, where are you from? And talk about your story. You have an, oh, and I guess we should say how we met. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I came out with my friend, Poncho, who is taking photos of the northern light. It was about 10.30 a couple days ago, out here at Miller's Point in Abercrombie. And you were here with your niece. Correct. Who was doing a documentary. And the lights didn't show that night. No, they didn't. At least not while we were there. We left at, what, 12.30 or something? Mm -hmm. Well, they they came at 2 (laughs) o'clock. Sounds about right. But we we were actually walking amongst the bear with the bears Mm -hmm. we didn't want to stay out too late yep plus it was freezing cold it was getting cold (laughs) we were trying to hide there behind as many rocks as we could get to (laughs) keep us to guard us from the wind so i met kayla here and and while the photographers and the northern lights chasers were doing their thing with their cameras kayla and i sat and talked and Mm -hmm. yeah so she is from Pennsylvania, so tell us about yourself and your positive imprint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from a very small town in Pennsylvania, 
um, New Florence. It's actually smaller than Kodiak. Um, I grew up there. I graduated with like 41 students in my class. I went to Penn State for my undergrad degree in kinesiology, and then I went to Arcadia and got two masters in medical science for my PA degree, and then um, masters in public health as well. And remind the listeners what there go. Looks like cormorants. (laughs) So remind the listeners what a PA. Oh, it's a physician assistant. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that schooling. It's a two-year degree after you finish your four-year degree. The first year for most schools is all didactic or classroom work. And then the second year is all clinical rotations. And where I went to school, we had the opportunity to go to different states and experience different like fields and work with different populations so that was kind of cool so I was in North Carolina Connecticut New Jersey Delaware Pennsylvania all that year in school doing four to eight week rotations wow you must not have gotten any sleep (laughs) you you will not sleep in PA school no (laughs) and so where did that take well it brought me to Kodiak but you did some research I did. So my my rotation in North Carolina, I was for the public health degree. So that was an extra year tacked on to my schooling. And I did research at my rotation there, which was at the Cherokee Indian Hospital. And we were working on reducing the risk of suicide in adolescents in that population, which was not a very uplifting <laughs> research project, but hopefully the outcome. Did you choose outcome. it or was it assigned to you or how did that come about? It was assigned to me. Okay. <laughs> it was something that each student came through and did a little bit. So it brought a whole different perspective, I feel, each student who worked on it, you know, because we all come from different backgrounds. The squirrel. Yeah. He's Bella's talking lucky. to Bella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what I find fabulous and interesting is that her research wasn't just used for a thesis to graduate. It's actually being used with some of the groups that worked on this research, including yours, to try to reduce. Mm -hmm. We were working on different screening tools to use for adolescents or even adults to assess, better assess their risk for suicide or substance use at the time. That's so fabulous. And and we certainly wish the best for those researchers that are continuing Mm -hmm. with what you were working on. So then you came here to this gorgeous place. I did. And I work for the Native Association up here. I've been there for four years. I like it. Um, We work with a lot of veterans as well, which is probably, um, that's one of the reasons that I stayed, is I like working with the veterans. I actually started a nonprofit in Kodiak for veterans, Kodiak Veterans Outreach. Poncho, my friend, is part of it. And you helped start that? Mm Mm-hmm. Very good. And I have to say, this is something that, that Kayla actually doesn't know because I haven't gotten around to being able to tell her, but... There are some folks in town that know who she is, and they absolutely love her. They call her Dr. (laughs) Kayla, and they have had some very warm and wonderful, kind remarks to say about you, and they absolutely love you here. Well, that's good to hear. It is good to hear. hear. (laughs) You are so humble. (laughs) As you smile with a big smile, no wonder they like you so much. So it, it must warm the day on these cool Kodiak days. Well, thank you. So tell us about your job. 
while you're here with some of the people that you've definitely made a difference upon because you have. That's that starfish that I was talking about. There you go. (laughs) I get to do a lot of different things at my job. I feel like coming from the East Coast, people go to specialists for a lot of things. Like they go to the OBGYN to have a pap smear or the orthopedic surgeon for a joint injection. But we get to do all of those things at primary care. And being in rural Alaska, I have a lot more autonomy with the patients, which is nice. And I get to go to the different villages in Kodiak and travel there, which is always fun and exciting, depending on the weather, of course. The weather dictates a lot of what we do in Kodiak. I get to do a lot of different things and meet a lot of different people. What are some of your memories? Like maybe one of the greatest, and I know that when you're when you're humble as you are and, and you just see your job as this is what I do and I love it, but if you can think about how you have felt about one or two or a couple of your patients, how it just made you feel so rewarded. It's on the spot, I know. <laughs> There's a couple. One <clears throat> actually got a card from this person. A person would come in probably a couple times a month, and in the card they mentioned that nobody has listened to them or actually tried to help them in a way that they said I did. So that was very humbling because at the time it didn't feel like I was doing anything other than what a normal provider would do. But it obviously made a difference for that person enough that they would write a card and send it to me. And I've been thanked a couple times from other other people. Most of the time it's related to mental health things like depression or medications, like getting people off of medications that kind of numb them instead of just putting them on more so that they don't feel sad. We like try to work through the problems. And you are truly, truly humble. (laughs) And after getting to know you, and that's, that's a great virtue. That's a great virtue because it makes you able to focus more on the needs of the others around you. What, what else is in line for you? You're trying to get a, a stay here to extend your stay on Kodiak. I've gotten a couple extensions. So I'm in the public health service, which is one of the uniform services. So I'll be here for at least another year until I transfer out. But I'm not sure where I'm going to go. I can work at any of the federal agencies, probably. I think I want to stay with Indian Health Service, though. I'd with, love to. In Alaska? Or anywhere. Any Maybe somewhere states. warmer. <laughs> <laughs> but just as beautiful, we hope. Hopefully, hopefully, yes. Well, if you want to stay on an island, there's always the islands of Hawaii. That's true. It's an <laughs> option. That's an option. But yeah, I like Indian Health Service. I'd love to work for the VA, but that's not an option right now. Because you want to work with the veterans? Mm-hmm. And what kinds of relationships do you have with the veterans? What makes you want to work with them? I don't know why it was a... Uh, why it's been a passion of mine I guess I feel like they're they've given so much already and then if you hear all the the banter I feel like we're not really like as a society sometimes we let them down especially with the VA care the VA is doing a great job but they get the a bad rap sometimes I saw a lot of vets, they'd come in and talk to me about the same problem. And they all came in individually, obviously. But we're talking about the same thing. So I felt that 
if we could bring them all together and some like reinstill some sort of sense of camaraderie that they wouldn't feel so alone in these issues so i a focus group to see if that's what the veterans in Kodiak would want. Not really what they wanted, but we started a group that has been ever shifting since, and I think it's been fairly successful in, in reinstilling some sense of camaraderie. We go bowling and have other events. We've raised money for certain causes in the community, and I really like that. I like hearing their stories, and that's who you should talk to, veterans. <laughs> I actually have been hoping to find some refugees still around from oh. the Philippine Islands. And when when I lived here, they were, you know, we had quite a number of them. Of course, that was a couple decades ago. <laughs> so they were younger and they have stories to tell. But mm-hmm. see, you're you're seeking out this great imprint that would better our entire earthly community <laughs> and I I congratulate you for that. Well, thank you. You're very phenomenal, and I've enjoyed talking to you. And hopefully uh, the wind hasn't caused havoc with this podcast, because (laughs) we may be doing it over. (laughs) But I know you would do it over with a great smile. Off to your new adventure. So we will keep in touch, and then maybe we can do a podcast in a couple years and see where you're at. That'd be great. And, And you will obviously have some more stories to tell. And Bella will be right there by your side. Right, Bella? Yeah, you're a good, good good girl, Bella. People are everywhere. Stories are everywhere. I love doing this podcast because I meet people from all over the world. People I meet are sharing their stories and experiences and struggles with you. I just might run into you sometime and say, Hey, you have a story to tell about your positive imprint. Every imprint means something to somebody. Your Positive Imprint is a variety show with global personalities. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Thanks for listening to this episode featuring two guests, Eva Holland and Kayla. If you'd like to learn more about them, head over to my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. You can also sign up for email updates and get the scoop on behind-the-scenes podcast information. Music for this podcast is by Chris Knoll, chrisknoll.com. And wah-wah-hoo, I have an Alaska Kodiak hat to give away. And the winner of this hat is... Mary P. Congratulations. And thank you, Poncho, out in Kodiak, for all of the photographs that you post and for helping me pick out these hats. Thank you again for supporting your positive imprint and leave positive reviews. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Your positive imprint. What's your PI? Subscribe now.